Ben Wagner joins us from the Rogers Center in a few minutes ahead of the call tonight of the Orioles Blue Jays. First of a four game series at the Rogers Center. Biggest series of the year for the Blue Jays, I think it's safe to say. The Jays come into the series 59 and 47. The Orioles are 64 and 41. They are leading the AL East. They are an awfully, awfully good team. They're an awfully exciting team uh, as well. And um, with the trade deadline tomorrow, they are, they are a club that many people expect will also make a significant pitching addition at some point over the next 24 hours. Tomorrow, by this time, the trade deadline will have expired. And uh, Kevin Barker and uh, yours truly will have you covered from 4 to 7 tomorrow. Note the time difference will be on an hour earlier from 4 to 7 on Sportsnet 590, the fan, the Sportsnet radio network, and across the Sportsnet family of television stations as we carry you through the trade deadline right up to the pitch of Game 2 of this series, which will also be at 7.07. A couple of deals made today. Uh, Aaron Savalli joining the Tampa Bay Rays uh, from the Cleveland Guardians in return for a minor league first baseman, the uh, 37th-ranked prospect in uh, baseball, according to MLB.com, going to the Cleveland Guardians. The Seattle Mariners are currently finalizing a trade with the Arizona Diamondbacks for Paul Seaweld back of the bullpen arm. Uh, They will be sending infielder Josh Rojas and prospects Ryan Bliss and Dominic Canzoni to uh, Seattle. The Mariners expected to also move to Oscar Hernandez. The Mariners not really kind of got one foot in, 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 uh, in every camp here, right? They've got one foot, or I should say in two camps, uh, contending and wanting to keep their group together as much as possible, but also, looking ahead to next year. Uh, That is a tough, tough, tough division this year. I mean, the Texas Rangers and the Houston Astros have really got it going on. And, um, you know, I I think for the Seattle Mariners, I mean, they've been hammered by injuries. They may be kind of looking towards next year as much as anything else. And, of course, that has implications for Teoscar Hernandez because we all expect Teoscar Hernandez to be moved uh, some lineup news for the Blue Jays today. Let's get you caught up. George Springer is not playing tonight. Uh, he is mired in a gosh-awful slump. Uh, he, I mean, I'm not a big fan necessarily of reading body language, but if you read George Springer's body language over the past three days, it would have been an, ex- an expletive. Um, he is not, uh, <clears throat> shall we say, a happy camper at this time. The Jays' lineup is Merrifield, Bichette, Belt, Guerrero, Chapman, Varshall, Kirk, Biggio, Kiermaier. So that is four lefties against Kyle Gibson, uh, who gets the call for the Orioles tonight. The Jays, in addition to bringing in Jordan Hicks, tied the can to Mitch White. I mean, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, they've also uh, brought up uh, uh, Bowden Francis uh, and Jay Jackson has been placed on the family emergency uh, medical list. And, of course, if you follow Jay Jackson on uh, on social media, you know that he and his wife um, have a child who's in uh, in, in neonatal care unit. Um, and uh, But we're led to believe that uh, this is, is uh, and I'm sure a lot of people have been following along with uh, Jay Jackson and his partner. This is... Uh, uh, 
seems very much as as if the organization is just giving Jay a chance to uh, to get back and be with his be with his partner and their child as well. He's been used an awful lot recently, so uh, that would uh, that would certainly uh, make sense. And uh, we certainly wish uh, the Jacksons well and give them all our support. Uh, he's it's it's such a it's such a great story, and I can remember. I can remember um, early in spring training, I think it was Arden's Welling, uh, talking about Jay Jackson and as, a, as a guy that a lot of people in the organization had their eye on. He's got a great slider, and I remember just kind of thinking, okay, that's interesting. Of course, you watch Jay Jackson. The guy's got a permanent smile on his face, and it's nice after everything he went through with Aaron Judge. It's nice seeing him get this run with the Blue Jays. So again, we hope uh, that everything goes well and that uh, Jay Jackson and his smile and his slider are back here ASAP. Bob Nightingale is reporting that Mark Kenya will be going to the Milwaukee Brewers. He was expected to be part of the St. Louis, I'm sorry, part of the New York Mets exodus. Uh, one of the available, few available position players on the market seems Tommy Fan. Fan may be another one of those uh, as well. There seems to be another one of those but that is uh, certainly a deal of interest. Marcania going to the Milwaukee Brewers. That from Bob Nightingale. Uh, do we have Derek Gould? Interesting as, as we bring Derek Gould on. Of course, the Jays acquiring Jordan Hicks from the St. Louis Cardinals for Adam Klofenstein and um, Sam Roberts yesterday. Jordan Hicks, he of the 103, 105 mile an hour fastball. Uh, he who will uh, be expected to shoulder a lot of the load in the Blue Jays bullpen at the back end of the bullpen uh, at the end of the at the end of the game. Jordan Romano has gone on the IL with a lower back issue, uh, and um, you know I think the, the thinking is when he comes back, you know I know there's always this debate: do you lose your spot because of an injury? I mean Jordan Romano and 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 and. And, and Jordan Hicks are in the very least going to be tag team closers for this team. They'll both they'll both get a lot of save opportunities, regardless of uh, regardless of of, um, of of health. But uh, interesting, Ross Atkins just doing a, me, a media availability with uh, Toronto writers, and I want to bring Derek Gould in. He covers the Cardinals for the St. Louis Post Dispatch, and uh, a busy, busy man to say the least over the. Uh, course of these past few weeks and probably a busy man tomorrow as well Derek thanks so much for joining us Ross Atkins just did a media availability where he said that uh, the Jays did quote explore bigger concepts with the St. Louis Cardinals uh, when they were discussing the acquisition of Jordan Hicks now we know the organizations have talked for a while obviously because Yenesis Cabrera uh, was acquired from the Jays as well, or I'm sorry, from the Cardinals as well. Look, we know the Cardinals have some have bats, and you know, as Jason Stark just told us in the last hour, that there aren't there aren't a lot of bats out there. Uh, at least general managers are saying right now there aren't a lot of bats out there. You put two and two together there, and 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 maybe maybe wonder if the Jays weren't after a Dylan Carlson or somebody like that as well. Yeah, I mean, I. Or, I mean, they've asked multiple times or at least, you know, various times about Lars Newbar. Mm-hmm. Um, the Cardinals are also, you know, at least trying to engage teams or see what uh, what the return would be on a Tyler O'Neill. 
Um, so you could see that, um, you know, there was a time where I was chasing yesterday to see if Jordan Montgomery was part of that conversation with the Jays, um, where it was, you know, both starters and then Montgomery obviously ends up going to, uh, Texas a few minutes later. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's definitely, you know, during the process, it was clear that the Cardinals with teams, multiple teams are exploring like larger format trades in order to get players closer or in the majors. This is something that on the Cardinals end they've wanted to do because they realize like trading a rental, they're not exactly going to get the surefire answer for their 2024 rotation, though they have added some depth, including the two guys from Toronto. But to do that, they knew they, they knew they'd have to augment kind of, all right, we're going to trade you a rental, but we're also going to give you a control. It may be a pitcher, but also like a position player and to, to, um, to put that together. I had not heard um, or been able to confirm, I should say, that Toronto and Dylan, but you know, Dylan Carlson is is involved in the talks with other teams and uh, and is kind of in that format where he is, you know, a, a, an addition to a rental that sweetens the return. Um, what are the Jays getting in Jordan Hicks? Now I know we're getting a, a a guy who at some point tonight, if he pitches, will probably throw the hardest pitch any Jays reliever has thrown huh. uh, in club yeah. history. It's probably safe to say that. Uh, hopefully, it's a strike. But uh, what are the Jays getting in, in, in Jordan Hicks? Because we saw him earlier in the year, obviously, against the Blue Jays. And, and, I mean, even he was kind of joking today with the writers about, you know, it's kind of nice to join the Jays considering they almost trashed my entire season uh, start of the year. What are they getting in him? Well, they're getting one of the best, like, velocity sinkers in the game. Um, they're getting a far more developed slider than he had in his early time with the Cardinals, um, and that's a swing and miss pitch. They're getting a guy who relished the chance to close and was at his best when he moved into that role for the Cardinals. Um, they're probably they're, they're They have the potential to get the best from Jordan Hicks of his career so far, at least in the best stretch. Cause he seems to be in that spot where health and experience and then some corrections and movement, quite literally a movement on the mound that he made this year all come together for, for better, um, success, reduce the walk rate, giving him a chance to get more swings and misses. And then he still has that overpowering sinker, which does get put in play, but rarely gets put in play hard. So um, that's the kind of guy that they're getting in addition to, like I said, one who relishes those late inning and really likes being a closer. You know, with the Cardinals, he was a starter for a little bit. He got a chance to kind of build on the job as a starter because there was a need there. Then he was back into middle relief. Um, but really kind of flourished once he had that chance for high leverage spots and some saves this season. So what do you think is the next move for the Cardinals here? If you were, if you were a betting man, uh, who, who, who do you think to, is the next person to go? Well, Flaherty is the most obvious one and the one that they're taking offers on. I, I'm not, you know, you can't be 100% sure he's going to be traded. You can be 100% sure that they're looking at offers and exploring them for him. Um, that is exactly what they're doing. Um, it is not out of the realm of possibility that they don't trade him, that they keep him, if they don't feel like they're going to get a good return on him. But that 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 is they're they're spending their time looking for that deal and to see what it takes to get the the appropriate return or, or the the return that they desire. Today, um, you know, they looked at uh, trying to, or I guess last night today, um, whether or not with the 
with the depth they added yesterday, can they be a, look at spots outside of pitching for these deals? Um, you know, they'll they they'll probably look to move Paul De, or they they'll they're at least they're looking at offers for Paul DeYoung as well. Would not be a surprise if they trade him. Um, he's got another option year after this year and a buyout for this year, but he is effectively a pending free agent as well. So, you know, that leaves him and Flaherty as the two with the expiring contracts that they would look to move beyond that. It would be outfitting those deals with players to get the better return. What are the uh, Cardinals telling you about the two pitchers they acquired from the Blue Jays organization? Um, You know, Sam Roberts is a guy uh, I remember for the past couple of years, folks in the organization really talking him up. I, I remember Buck Martinez this year uh, mm-hmm. having a long conversation with Pete Walker, the Jays pitching coach, and raving about him. Of course, he pitched in the in the Futures game uh, as well. What are what are the Cardinals saying about those two pitchers? Because Klofenstein's kind of a guy that I wouldn't say he got forgotten. Well, yeah, I will. it's almost like he got forgotten in this organization. And, you know, he was a guy, again, who got a lot of money coming out of uh, to sign. They get a first-round bonus, right, yeah. or first-round level bonus for a third-round pick, if I remember correctly, yep. and that's what it took to kind of woo him. Um, but yet then he was available to all teams this past winter. All they had to do was put him on their active roster. He could have been taken in the Rule 5 draft, and he wasn't. Um, you know, that's not always a measure mm-hmm. of future potential, but it's certainly a measure of current view and what teams are willing to do to get a guy um, if it means giving him a spot on the active roster. So, um, you know, what the Cardinals are saying is that, uh, you know, he's had solid production this year and that of course caught their eye. I'm sure caught other people's eye, but there's, there's like tangible production there. And what they like is the shape of his pitches and how he's getting outs and the strikeout rate and the, those elements that are in play there with him Um, with, uh, with some, uh, they you know they see a guy who maybe fits in to closer to the classic kind of pitcher that they acquire. Not exactly one that they're trying to acquire in the sense that they want to they want to get with the modern game and start missing bats. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, they have had this contact oriented approach because they've had a great defense and they have a pitcher friendly ballpark. These two things play into their hands, and they've been a great run prevention team. Um, but the game is changing to affect, you know, to 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 really get more of um, more more swings and misses. Uh, whether that's the lack of a shift or just how hitters are approaching things now, um, velocity, all that stuff. It's it's a swing and miss game, and they want to do that now. You know, Sem is more of a, a more of a contact guy. It gets weak contact, gets grounders. Um, but it goes back to something that they saw in his pitch makeup. Um, I think what they see in these guys is they're moving them to AAA. So they were in AA for, for mm-hmm. the Jays. They're both going to go to AAA. That's a sign of the Cardinals' need. Um, also a referendum on their current depth in the pitching. Um, but also a sign that they think they can contribute in some way in 2024. See, they don't know what role. They're not going to put them in the rotation as part of their plans to open the season but they want to see where they can get from those two guys and different skill sets, but both very appealing when they talk, when they talk about like kind of the pitch makeup and how the Cardinals want to get better at identifying and then maximizing that. Derek, really good of you to join us. I know your uh, time is at a premium these days. Thanks so much, my friend. Always good to talk to you. Be well.
You bet. Enjoy uh, enjoy the velocity of, uh, of Jordan Hicks. <laughs> I have to get used to it. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. I'm, I'm not yeah, used to it. <laughs> it's something. It, it he'll uh, he'll light up the uh, radar gun for sure. And then you see the movement on it, and uh, it defies belief at times. Thanks, Derek. Be well. <laughs> Thanks. Derek Gould covers the Cardinals through the St. Louis Post Dispatch, and um, the Cardinals. Yeah, they'll be busy. The uh, trade deadline tomorrow, now less than 24 hours, the trade deadline will be at 6 Eastern tomorrow. And again, a reminder, uh, Blair and Barker will have you covered from 4 to 7 tomorrow. We'll walk you through the trade deadline, give you all the rumors, all the uh, scoops, and uh, all the reaction as soon as we can. Well, Kevin isn't here. He will be back tomorrow. But we're still, because it's Monday, going to do... In the East. Didn't think we'd forget about this, did you? It's going to be hard because normally I bounce stuff off Barker. Now I'm just going to have to talk about it myself. And look, it's a uh, it's a big, obviously a big, big week in the AL East as the division starts looking inward. You've got the Orioles in Toronto for four games beginning tonight. You've got the Rays in the Bronx for three games against the Yankees. And while the Jays made an early trade deadline move, landing closer Jordan Hicks and the Cardinals on Sunday, it's three returning players who are at least going to be in part of the focus uh, this week, Hyunjin Ryu, of course, will take his final step back from surgery and start Tuesday for the Blue Jays. Aaron Judge returned on the weekend in Baltimore and immediately give the Yankees added juice. And Trevor Story is expected to be back in the Red Sox infield this weekend. Wouldn't you know it? Just in time for a visit from the Toronto Blue Jays. He will join a lineup that's already among the most balanced in the game. But uh, the Orioles, well... They prep for the Jays series by taking two or three from the Yankees, including a 9-3 battering on Sunday in which they scored six runs off Yankee starter Luis Severino. What on earth has happened to him before Severino even recorded an out in the first inning? Leading Severino to sum up his uh, performance thusly. Right now I feel like I am the worst pitcher in the game. No doubt about it. because I won't be able to, you know, get in a, like rolling. I feel very good. I feel healthy. And I feel like I throw a good game. And then after that, like, I just need to keep it going, you know. But I, will, I have to be able to do that. Uh, he is not far off. His, uh, uh, <laughs> his ERA in his last 12 starts is 749. Um, that's something nobody's ever done for the Yankees. That's not very good. Uh, the Yankees didn't help themselves offensively, though. <laughs> Listen to this. They struck out 18 times Sunday, a game in which Judge sat out after going 3-for-9 in the first two games back from that toe injury, including a 3-for-5 effort with a homer, including a win Saturday. Look, we know that uh, Aaron Judge loves him some Baltimore Orioles, but, uh, well, see what Aaron Boone thought of it. I mean, obviously, it's exciting to get Aaron back. Um, you know, I thought... You know, did a lot of good things in the first game. Um, they made some really good defensive plays that really kept us off the board. Obviously, I thought we played a real complete game last night. And then tonight, a rough first inning that kind of sunk us. Um, so, you know, it, there's there's enough in there that's happening that we need to we can build on. Um, but, you know, like, like you guys said, you know, we're going home. More tough teams coming. We got to be ready to go. Uh, the Yankees are expected to be active before Tuesday's deadline, but really there's a sense that general manager Brian Cashman, he's got way too much to do 
to address the, a lineup that is aging, is brittle, and, and just isn't very good right now. The Tampa Bay Rays, on the other hand, well, they can't wait for the month to end, can they? They're en route to posting their worst monthly winning percentage since 2008, and I think that's the year when they changed their name from the Devil Rays to the Rays, if I'm not mistaken. They've stopped hitting, and their front office, although it's typically aggressive, they really need the likes of Wander Franco, who kind of showed signs this weekend of breaking out of a 3-for-33 slump. And Brandon Lau, they need them to help provide some internal juice. Lau's gone 10 for, six, 10 for 16 in his last three games with three homers. That's good. The problem is Yankee Stadium has been Death Valley for him in his career. His career average at Yankee Stadium is 187. Still, you know, maybe the calendar turning over will offer some relief and, and maybe Brandon can keep it going. Like Brandon with another home run that's yep. four in ten or eleven games, something like that. It's yeah, when like... you look at when he's come back since he's been back, he he is really he's limited the strikeouts. The the power is showing like he's capable of. Um, you know, we're glad to have him back and Nick glad that he got going on this series. We needed all those offensive, all those runs, and he provided plenty of them. Meanwhile, the Boston Red Sox they just kind of continue to quietly make inroads uh, despite. Uh, being three and two in the middle of a stretch of 11 games against teams over 500. They lost two or three to the Giants on the weekend or walked off twice. But this is kind of a bit of an outlier because they have been at their best against the best. Their Red Sox 40 and 32 record against teams above 500 is second only to the Atlanta Braves. That's a team they swept last week if you're interested. General Manager Kaim Bloom is one of the deadline's wild cards in a lot of people's mind. Looking to add controllable players, even if it means even if it means subtracting from his roster. And, I mean, even if they don't deal, getting Story back for the weekend series against the Red Sox, again, being added to a lineup that's already deep and already balanced, I mean, that's got to put a spring in their steps. So keep an eye on the Red Sox, folks. This is an interesting schedule. They're 7-0 and against the Jays this season. And after that three-game series against Toronto, their next 10 games are against the Royals, the Tigers, and the Nationals. So if the Red Sox are going to make a move in this division, this appears to be the time uh, for them to do so. And that is our weekly look around the American League East. A reminder that uh, the Tampa Bay Rays have acquired a starting pitcher, Aaron Savalli, from the Cleveland Guardians for a first-base prospect and... uh, Paul Seawald has been acquired or is in the process of being acquired by the Arizona Diamondbacks from the Seattle Mariners for a collection of prospects. And in addition, Bob Nightingale reporting that the Milwaukee Brewers are acquiring Marcania from uh, the New York Mets. As uh, the Mets continue to unload players, they've already unloaded Max Scherzer. Lots of talk about Justin Verlander, although... There seems to be a feeling that Justin Verlander wants to stay on the East Coast. Now, Justin Verlander has been linked with the Dodgers uh, most often, and clearly the Dodgers have the type of young pitching that um, that the that that the New York Mets might like. But don't sleep on the Baltimore Orioles as a destination for Justin Verlander, as Jason Stark said. The Orioles' front office is made up of dudes who were with Justin Verlander when he was with Houston. They've got the minor league prospects to get it done. It might be easier to trade outside your division than inside. I'm sorry, outside your league than inside your league. uh, If you are the New York Mets, 
And, uh, well, if you want to live in the East Coast, as Justin Verlander has apparently told people he wanted to do, um, I mean, Baltimore ain't New York, but it's not that far of a drive. It's not that far of a train trip. You could certainly, you could certainly, if you're Justin Verlander and you want to keep your fa- happy family, your family happy, you could certainly, you could certainly do worse than Baltimore. We have got tickets to give away. We will do that in the next segment. Ben Wagner joins us as well from the booth. He'll have the call of the game tonight. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590. The fan, the Sportsnet Radio Network and Sportsnet. Covering the Raptors in depth like no one else. The Raptor Show with Will Lou. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. constructs of that lined up before that happened um we were comfortable um you know with that level we had a really good sense of what it was going to take and um you know maybe there was um some timing uh changes with our dialogue that may have impacted their reaction or may have impacted how they were feeling about holding strong uh but i think it's actually more a question for them than more than for us because we were we were comfortable with the deal. We feel like it was fair for both teams, and um, glad we have. That's a long way of Ross Atkins saying the Jordan Hicks deal was uh, basically done before Jordan Romano tweaked his back. Um, ben Wagner joins us from the booth in a few minutes uh, as we get you set for uh, the first game of this four-game series tonight between the Jays and Orioles. A couple of moves made recently by teams the last 10 minutes or so, the San Francisco Giants, according to Jeff Passan, are finalizing a trade to acquire outfielder A.J. Pollock and utilityman Mark Mathias from the Seattle Mariners, and uh, Heimer Candelario, who was one of the uh, position players apparently available on the market. He ain't available anymore. The Chicago Cubs, who at one point were considered to be sellers, uh, Apparently they woke up one morning and said, <laughs> we're in the central. What the hell are we doing selling? Anyhow, they've got Heimer Candelario. And uh, again, the trade deadline now less than 24 hours away. Uh, we've been giving you the chance to win Blue Jays tickets all season long here in Blair and Barker. Whether you listen on the radio or on our podcast, all you have to do is text the correct answer to our daily baseball trivia question to 59590. Our last trivia question answer was on August 9th, 2014. Shame on you if you didn't get this. This player hit a home run in the Orioles' 10-3 win over the St. Louis Cardinals, making him the first Orioles catcher to homer in five consecutive games. The answer was Caleb Joseph. Shame on you if you didn't get that. He'll be in the booth tonight along with, along with Ben Wagner. Today's question is to win tickets to see the Jays and Orioles down at the Rogers Center on August 1st. This Orioles All-Star infamously started warming up in the bullpen during the 1993 All-Star game at Camden Yards. Despite American League and Blue Jays manager Cito Gaston not using him in the game, Orioles fans never forgave Cito for that. If he were to show up today, he'd still get booed. Again, this Orioles All-Star infamously started warming up in the bullpen during the 1993 All-Star game at Camden Yards. Despite American League and Blue Jays manager Cito Gaston not using him in the game, text the answer to 59590 for your shot to win See rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590. Let's bring in Ben Wagner from the booth. I think 
I think the Jays are going to are, are in for another bullpen arm of some description. And I really think you may see Ross do something that Alex Anthopoulos did a couple of years ago. Just bring, bring a couple of guys in to give you a different look, right? Yeah, I think I think that's the direction they're going to go. It's not the big Juan Soto splash in, but it's that kind of move, right? It's a veteran yes. guy who understands the situation. It's not going to be a guy that you want to have in the franchise for the next three, four years. It's, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be that kind of splash. Uh, we were just down on the field a little bit ago, and we were kicking around some names, and again, uh, you know my choice. Tyler O'Neill was certainly one of those names mm-hmm. that I thought would really be a nice fit into the Toronto Blue Jays organization as well. Uh, it sounds like with Ross just wrapping up his comments as well, that Jordan Hicks deal was pretty much done. Yeah. Before the situation with Romano and having to leave the game early, uh, is there bigger pieces out there? Maybe the Blue Jays were talking about a larger deal, you know, multiple players. But I don't think that's the Cardinals' motive here. Uh, it's clear that the Cardinals want to shop off piece by piece and maximize return. And they may come back to the table to the Blue Jays and say, you know what, we've got uh, a couple other pieces that are up for grabs here. If one of them tends to fall, maybe that plays the market a little bit and sets some things differently in the rearranging of the chairs between the two talks. So um, I think I think there is more to come for the Toronto Blue Jays. I think it will be a bat. That's yeah. where that's where I am in. Yeah, and and it's uh, you know it it is fascinating when you when you see what the when you see what the St. Louis the St. Louis Cardinals are doing. Uh, they, I mean, essentially, they, they've put a lot of their young position players on the market. And I made this point, you know, I think the Cardinals are probably slow playing this a bit because we already know that there aren't a lot of position players on the market right now. And as you get closer to 6 o'clock tomorrow, teams that are looking for position players, you know, they may go back to the Cardinals with uh, increased offers. You know, if you're, I mean, if I don't know if you... If you think if you really want Dylan Carlson, Dylan Carlson may cost you more at 5:45 tomorrow than he's going to cost you than he would have costed you today at 5:45, and and I kind of think that's and, and if I'm the Cardinals, I'm doing the same thing. I'm I'm hanging on to my position players until somebody comes and makes me an offer and, and blows me away because it's clear it's clear that teams are looking for something other than just bullpen arms. It's clear that teams yeah, are absolutely. looking. For position players and they're just as Jason said he talked to GM today and told him I mean there's just there's really nobody out there that you put in the middle of your lineup and you go okay now we're now we're good to go no I'm with you on that and that's why whatever the rumblings and you know names that are get, getting bantered about around the dugout or in the clubhouse um, all day today and because we watch the clock right we're all watching the clock sure. in situations and you're you're throwing out the names like a Paul DeYoung, Lars Newtbar. What would Tyler O'Neill, part of that package, also cost the Blue Jays? I think there's more capital in the eyes of where GMs are evaluating talent right now in the Blue Jays system, but it would be a cost because mm. it dings the bigger depth as well. This is not no this is no longer an organization that has a top five farm system, right? But they have some really interesting pieces. Yeah. That could be inviting for other GMs. And and if the Cardinals are a great case here, if you're looking for some close to major league ready talent, Aleo Jimenez factors in. Right now, mm-hmm. what kind of what kind of return could he create? How creative could you be with a French prospect maybe that would be in Dunedin right now, in Vancouver? Um, they are certainly out there and there's some nice guys 
right now within the system that are having some very fine years in the minor leagues too. So uh, it's not a it's not a dry prospect pool certainly for the Blue Jays. It's just not as deep as what it has been the last couple of years because the Blue Jays, when you're aggressive in the trade market, you have to give up prospect capital and that's what the Blue Jays have been playing with. Yeah, and it's like anything else. I mean, your prospects are only worth what another organization's willing to pay you for them. I mean, clearly the St. Louis Cardinals thought more of Adam Klofenstein than a lot of other organizations did or or Sam Roberts. And that's just the that's the way it is. And I always tell people that at the trade deadline. You know, it's great. I love prospect rankings. We all love prospect rankings. They're fun. They get you talking. But at the end of the day, if I absolutely believe that Sam Roberts is the best pitcher in the Blue Jays organization, I don't care whether he's ranked 40th, 75th, 101st, or whatever. I want Sam Roberts. And, and I think sometimes we need to remember that when it comes to, to minor leaguers, that you know, there is a and beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And, and, and in a lot of cases, what you find is organizations are attracted. You know, we don't know. The Cardinals may have really been in an Adam Kloffenstein when he was coming out of high school. Right. And organizations are like that. They quite often go back to the well. And, and you know this as well as I do, because you love talking to scouts like I do. Uh, they see guys and scouts never forget a name and a face. Absolutely. Right? Why you fell in love with them. And you if these guys are still employed in the game, uh, that voice reemerges, right? Because these scouts track the players that may have gotten away, mm-hmm. may have gone earlier than the projections in a draft, and if you can cycle them back in, because they may fit a mold, the system uh, sparks an idea with a coach that's already in either the minor leagues or at the major league level, and what could be, perhaps, a difference maker within that organization. You better believe that scout, that farm director who got promoted and now all of a sudden has a bigger voice in the room is going to remember that, and that's why you go out and you get those guys. And Harold Ramirez is a guy that I can yes. I can link right now to a number of Blue Jays scouts and people that are still in the front office that were waiting on Harold Ramirez to break out. Mm-hmm. They weren't sure what kind of hitter he could be, but they knew he could hit if he ever figured it out. Of course, he, he you know he sparks with Tampa Bay. Uh, look what Look what uh, Santiago Espinal turned out to be for the Toronto Blue Jays in that 2018 deal with Steve Pierce. Red Sox needed Steve Pierce. And all of a sudden, guess what? Ben Charrington's in the background said, I know a guy. Because he was with the Boston Red Sox when they went out and they got Santiago Espinal. So you never know how all these things are going to eventually weave back together. But baseball is a beautiful thing this time of year. And, and the links to individuals within the game to certain players and why they always plant that seed are very interesting once you sit down and you talk to these guys and how it comes full circle again. Uh, so, so Ben, what happens... Uh, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here. What happens to Jordan Hicks when Jordan Romano comes back? Well, that's a really interesting piece because I think the Blue Jays identify leverage situations and what future opponents are going to run at Jordan Romano perhaps in the ninth inning and how Jordan Hicks can slam doors in the sixth, the seventh, the eighth, and even potentially if Jordy needs a day, the ninth. I was down on the field talking with a couple of coaches about kind of the roadmap after Jordy comes back. And they really feel if the stuff matches up better with Jordan Hicks, maybe even above Eric Swanson, and you 
need to give Tim Mesa a day, you can run that heavy sinker, the redeveloped sweeper slash slider that Hicks is talking about. You may see multiple innings mm. out of Jordan Hicks with the Blue Jays, too. So it could be a situation where Hicks enters in the seventh. He might get the eighth, and then all of a sudden, you still got the high-octane stuff coming from Romano in the ninth inning. I don't think, I do not think that the Blue Jays are going to take Romano out of that ninth inning role. But I think it'll be very interesting to see when Jordan Hicks is deployed when the two of them go on the back end of that bullpen. Because I think it'll be very, very creative. Yeah, I'm wondering, boy, if I'm Jordan Hicks and I'm going into free agency, I don't know if I, I, I look, 103, 104, 105 people are going to pay for that. But man, I'd, I'd feel a whole hell of a lot better going into free agency as a closer in the Toronto Blue Jays and a setup guy. I, I, that's just me. I don't know if, you know, he, I don't know the kid. He may not be wired that way. You know what? I, well, I'm, I'm judging this off of a 10-minute interaction that mm-hmm. I had with him on the field. Uh, he's a low-heartbeat guy. He fits right into that Blue Jays yeah. bullpen with the Trevor Richards, the Eric Swansons, the Tim Mazes of the world. Uh, now, when the lights go on, we know that he possesses some very, very nasty stuff, and that sinker is electric. And what he has is a two-week runway right now mm-hmm. to audition as a closer, right? This is what... And the Blue Jays, and I asked John Schneider about this on the field a little bit ago, they feel that Jordan Romano will not require more than the 15-day injured list in. Oh, that's good so news. So, that, yeah, that's the really good news. And that might be the biggest takeaway from any on-field conversation that I had today is that the Blue Jays, within the limited amount of time without their closer, should get their closer back. And this was something where John Schneider put a lot of trust into Jordan Romano to be truthful with him and to be very honest, even in the heat of battle, when he walks out there in the mounted check-in on his closer, ask how he's doing. But there comes a point where you don't want Jordan Romano to pitch through things because you don't want the wheels to fall off. So when everybody collected themselves, came together, the decision was to just shut it down and see if they can get past it versus fight through it. Jordy feels that he could fight through it if games are on the line, but that's not the route that the Blue Jays want to take right now. So that is the good news. But again, You've got two weeks for Jordan Hicks to find himself in the way that this Blue Jays bullpen is constructed. And um, results results are, at, are paramount right now. Every win is going to matter for the Blue Jays, and there is no doubt, whatever the situation is, if the Blue Jays feel that the matchup is better, you're going to see a lot of Jordan Hicks out there if the matchup creates itself. Are you buying that this is a day off, scheduled day off for George Springer? Uh... That's an unfair question, I know. Yeah, I'll just yeah, say it. I'm not, I, but I'm wondering I, if you I'm, are. I, I think it was certainly premeditated. Okay. You know, I, I think it. I think it was premeditated. Look, the numbers tell you everything that you need to know. It's a one for thirty-nine rut. Oof. It's it's not a couple of games here for Springer, and it's just not about home runs. It's about some at bats. Uh, I learned that John Schneider and George Springer had a pregame conversation today. The messaging was encouraging out of the at-bats and what they saw from Springer at the plate yesterday. They're happy with the contact. They referenced the line out. But uh, I think George needs a day. Mm-hmm. And the Blue Jays told George that. Uh, in a week that has had a lot going on with, with George Springer, and this is a conversation that, one, starts with, hey, we're going to move you out of that leadoff spot, get you down a little bit lower in the order, and also reward Whit Merrifield for what he's been able to do. Right. 
in the Blue Jays lineup. So this, no doubt, was was certainly a premeditated move for the Blue Jays. And uh, I'm going to let you run in a minute here, but okay. boy, you know, I'm just thinking of uh, thinking back to last year's trade deadline. I don't think any of us made a big deal about Whit Merrifield. I think some of us may have kind of scratched our head and thought, "Well, Jesus, don't they already have an, <laughs> don't they already have enough second baseman as it is?" And look. Look where he is right now. He's Look where he went, right? He went yeah. to center field after he was yeah. acquired. He went right out to center field when we were in Minneapolis. And um, now he's he's played such a such a really, really important piece into the Blue Jays' defensive construct, uh, you know, with him in left field. He is. You know what? I mean, you could make a really big argument if this thing goes the way that it should, that Whit Merrifield is, is right there in the conversation of who a Blue Jays MVP should be. Mm. I think I don't think there's any doubt about that at all. Ben, I appreciate you doing this. Go and uh, rest your pipes. You have, I think I've given you 13 to 20 minutes of that. I'll see you down at the ballpark, my friend. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks see you in a couple. This. Be well. Yeah. That's Ben Wagner, the uh, radio voice of the Blue Jays. Ben and Caleb Joseph will have the call of the game in about 20 minutes or so. As uh, the Jays open their four-game series against the Baltimore Orioles got the monitor on in front of me. Chris Bassett warming up. Jays are wearing their reds today. How I feel about that. I don't know if I'm in or out on the reds. I mean, I don't care if they wear it today. They can do whatever, play in the nude if they want, as far as I'm concerned. But I don't know how I really feel about the reds. I don't know, guys. Shy, Andrew, reds. Yay, nay. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah, I think we got, uh, what do you got? David in the background. Been outvoted three to one. I mean, I don't know. Anyhow, they're uh, they're wearing the reds. Jordan Hicks will wear number twelve. The last person to wear number twelve was Edwin, and Jordan Hicks will be in the bullpen tonight as uh, the Jays start their series again. The Jays lineup: Merrifield, Bichette, Belt, Guerrero, Chapman, Varshall, Kirk, Biggio, Kiermaier. No George Springer, uh, one for 39, one for 37, I believe. Ben Wagner said George Springer getting a scheduled day off, uh, according to the Blue Jays. But you also heard Ben say that uh, John Schneider, the manager of the Blue Jays, had a conversation with George Springer before the game today. And um, and George Springer's making a ton of money. You know, and I've always made the point that I think from my point of view, George Springer earns his money in September. I got George Springer in here if I'm the Blue Jays because of the postseason pedigree. That's when I want George Springer to be at his best. Uh, what happens the rest of the year, the first, it sounds silly to say, but the first five months of the year, it's not that I don't care, but I want George Springer to be good to go in September. I want him to be good to go when every win and every loss matters. And uh, having said that, though, right? The first game of a four-game series against the team that's in first place. Uh, A team that's kind of taking you to the woodshed this year. Not a good look. Not a good look for a guy with that type of contract not being in the lineup today. But maybe a day off will help moving him down in the order. I mean, I guess, you know, there were some some green shoots in terms of his exit velo and things of that nature. But I didn't see, frankly, uh, I didn't see that much out of George Springer. But, I mean, let's see if the day off, uh, if the day off gives him any, gives him a little bit of a boost here. I'm, my, my hope is this. And if you've listened to me before, you know, 
I'm a big fan. When you give the dude a day off, give him the day off. I'm not a big fan of giving a dude a day off and then having him pinch it in the eighth inning. I, I don't think that necessarily accomplishes what you want to do. But, of course, this is, again, this is a big game, and I guess if the situation presents itself, you can see George Springer off the bench. Well, then, of course, you get the thing, well, wait a minute. If George Springer's coming off the bench, if he's good enough to do that, come off the bench, why wasn't he good enough to start? Anyhow, we'll see how that plays out. It will be Kyle Gibson against Chris Bassett, Jordan Hicks in the bullpen for the Blue Jays. You heard Ben Wagner talk about Jordan Hicks and Jordan Romano. His sense is that the Blue Jays expect Jordan Romano to be back within or at the end of his 15-day IL stint because of uh, with back issues. Until then, as Ben said, Jordan Hicks gets a two-week runway to essentially run with the closer's job. When Jordan Romano comes back, the feeling is that Jordan Hicks would likely be the guy who could possibly pitch multiple innings, come in in the seventh or eighth inning, and uh, allow Jordan Romano to still close in the ninth. Although it's pretty clear that, uh, you know, your best laid plans when when it comes to dealing with a bullpen don't always work out and i've also got to say this with the trade deadline approaching tomorrow i i look at this bullpen chad green we're led to believe will be back at some point jordan romano is your closer jordan hicks is your premier trade deadline acquisition tim mays has been lights out for you trevor richards has been really really good for you eric swanson was one of your key offseason acquisitions I mean, you just get to a point where there aren't enough innings. There aren't enough situations when you could conceivably use guys. And that's why I truly believe that there is a real chance that before tomorrow's trade deadline, which again is 6 Eastern, and again, Kevin Barker and yours truly will have you covered from 4 to 7 tomorrow. I still think there's a possibility that Nate Pearson ends up getting moved as part of the whether or not whether or not it's a move that helps bring in a bat or another back of the bullpen arm. We do know this. The Jays do like to trade for players with some control. Jordan Hicks does not have control. Jordan Hicks is eligible for free agency. Uh, and and of course there's a chance that the Jays could re-sign him. There's absolutely a chance if he likes it in Toronto if things work out, why wouldn't you want to sign a dude who can throw that hard and brings that type of an edge to your team? But knowing how this front office does stuff, knowing how much they value control, knowing that Matt Chapman will not likely be back next year, Brandon Belt will not likely be back next year, there's a chance that Whit Merrifield isn't back, there's a chance that Kevin Kiermeyer isn't back, there are some openings that won't be filled simply by reaching down into the minor league. So I think there's still some interesting stuff in the plate of Ross Atkins. And let's see what tomorrow gives us. That's it for our turn here. We will flip it over to Ben Wagner and Caleb Joseph down at the Rogers Center. First of four games, Jays and Orioles, Barker and Blair, four to seven Eastern tomorrow across the Sportsnet radio network and across the Sportsnet family of television, television channels, all your breaking trade deadline news, more opinions than you can shake a stick at. You know, the usual drill. Thanks for joining us. 
Enjoy the baseball.